Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Warhammer Podcast, podcast where your favourite uh, hobby weirdos talk about uh, Warhammer Fantasy and their other favourite tabletop war games. I'm your host, Jeff, and joining me in the virtual hot tub of Holoth this evening are my various lovely co-hosts. Uh, <clears throat> over here to my virtual right is a uh, is a man whom uh, just he just can't stop. He just he, well he can't grow any hair. So he's not, uh, and that is a Jack General's Tequila. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, man. How are you? Good, good. Um, we've also got um, two lovely co-hosts. Uh, to my other right is someone who hasn't been on the podcast yet and kind of just invited himself here. It's uh, Mr. Dono Douglas. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, good, mate. Good, mate. Yeah, bloody oath. And uh, our final guest host for this evening is a man who must be at least my eighth favorite guest guest we've had on this uh, podcast is Mr. Josh Indle. Oh, hey. Eighth favorite. That's uh, a high praise indeed. I actually, uh, I wanted to make that joke and I was like, man, have we even had eight people? I think we've had about like 12 p- different people on this podcast in the well, probably in the, t- the top 11. That's 12 more Do than you know my page <laughs> podcast. So. Whoa. Whoa. Um, Steady so- on. If anyone doesn't remember Josh's uh, voice immediately, he helped us to do um, our summer special, which was the Big Lizard Man special we did. Um, and it, for anyone who's playing at home, that was actually our most listened to uh, episode. So, like, you know, thought we'd bring Josh back because I assume people like you. Well, uh, what can I say? Skinks are adorable and people want to hear about them. So, and they should. Anyway, boys, uh, so, Jack, what are we doing tonight? So, we're going to do a bit of a reflection on Old World and things that are, you know, in the pipeworks for it, and we're going to sort of talk about what we're doing in preparation for the release of Old World, you know, be that new armies, rebasing, whatever it may be. Excellent. And I think there's a few things looking at that aren't necessarily GW or fantasy related, but... We'll, we'll get to them later in the show. Cool. Um, excellent. So let's uh, let's start off with the news itself, um, considering that it'll all just be one big blended episode tonight. Um, so uh, I want to talk about a few things first. So um, uh, I don't know if anyone's noticed it. Oh, actually, no, I've got one bit of, <laughs> sorry, one bit of housekeeping before uh, we start um, doing anything else. So um, I don't know if it... Did, Jack, do you ever look at like um do you ever look at our Facebook page? I'm I'm not gonna lie, I haven't looked at it in quite a while. You guys have a yeah. Facebook page? Yeah, we've got a like a Facebook group. Um sort of like because I don't I don't really wanna deal with Discord or anything. Um and Fair enough. for various reasons. It's just like the way that I see Facebook is most people um I assume most people listening to us have Facebook and they it's somewhere for everyone to engage. And I actually really – I used to like like logging it because uh, there was a, like a lot of, you know, high-class hobby there and everyone seemed to be cool. And like I assume the people listening to us or into like old world are a bit older. Hmm. Like, you know – It's a fair late, assumption. Yeah, late, late 20s up. Um, not necessarily like, you know – uh, the Gen Z, if you will, um, you know, the Zoomers. 
So too busy uh, vaping to um, <laughs> paint square based models. Too busy vaping and playing Fortnite. Um, mm. I don't yeah. blame them. <laughs> it's a good hobby. Uh, so, but um, I was uh, I was drawn there. Sometimes it very rarely sends me. Um, like Facebook will send me like an, an update, like and it'll be like, "Hey, celebrate!" Like today, literally, was like celebrate all the people that interact with your community by saying thank you or something. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I looked on there, um, and there was uh, <laughs> there was a post from over a year ago, like July last year, and a gentleman had asked through the group, "Hey, what's like the best way?" to strip a model, right? <laughs> um, like strip the paint off a model. And I had uh, I said, oh, yeah, great, great question. I'll, I'll answer it on the pod. And I guess we never did because uh, <laughs> oh, no. then that person only like a couple of months ago was like, hey, I found out how, um, you know, maybe take less than a year to, to answer me next time. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> What are we paying you for? Holy shit! What are, what are we paying you for? Um, yeah, so I obviously, I, I've, I saw that and I've obviously thought it was like a thing I could talk about, um, like general hobby stuff, because um, I think it's like useful information. Because um, I remember dunking a bunch of stuff in dead all at one stage, um, and that's not a great idea for like plastic and shit. So don't do that. Um, yeah. Uh, in any case, he found out uh, it was isopropyl. So, like, on one hand, I'm apologizing. Alcohol. Obviously, I thought it was like, yeah, a bit of ice, yeah, a bit of bit of eyeshadow. Um, on on one hand, I obviously thought it was uh, going to be like a super interesting thing I could talk about on the pod, and then I must have forgot somewhere down the line. I'm kind of apologizing, but also letting people know that no one pays me to do this. So, <laughs> I know, sorry. That's fair enough. Is it so isopropyl alcohol? is um is the go-to right like people have all these different um you know old wives tales and stuff about what to use but that's the you know foolproof method it's generally the cheapest method as well um yeah just like a brush and the quickest um it won't take off like a like a can primer like if you've got a you know an old chaos bike it depends on the primer sometimes it'll take it off it depends is it a toothbrush Use a toothbrush and like the model isn't super delicate resin, you'll pretty much remove everything. Yeah. yeah. I found yeah, that even go. like old metal models, like if it's really caked on, ultrasonic cleaner, yeah. isopropyl alcohol, just, run it a uh, few times. Just a warning. Give it though, a rinse. Uh, people that have an ultrasonic cleaner and fill it for isopropyl, you may have, you do a have little, to be careful. little flamey boy. Um, not advised. That's interesting. Not mo- normies don't generally have iso- uh, ultrasonic cleaners, boys. That's true. So that's know. true. Um, and it's not too aggressive on like plastic, just normal plastic models. It's fine on plastic and metal, but resin you you can do it in uh, like you can clean paint off resin with isopropyl alcohol, but you can't soak it because it'll soak into the resin and it'll go a bit Ooh, spongy res- and resin is porous, it'll kind so. of fuck it up a bit. Okay, so you can do a few like, like light washes cast. with it. Yeah, you can do some okay. light washes and just like let it dry in between, like let it sit in the sun a little bit so that it evaporates out of the porous material. And when you're doing plastics or metal, you don't have to like leave it to soak overnight or anything like that. It's, you know, just give it a bit of a scrub, scrub, you, scrub. You can if you want. Like like I said, if it's something that's really caked in, like you bought secondhand models or something off eBay or wherever mm. and it's like 
it's had paint painted over paint for like ten years. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you just give it a give it a good soak and a couple of cycles. And it's an irrelevant topic, um, because obviously, you know, thinking about like, you know, a lot of uh, out of production Warhammer models at the moment for fantasy, mm-hmm. it's common to just have the only source be buying some okay bargain models on eBay that do have a shitty paint job on them, you know? Or a yeah, half done paint job. Yep. So it's a pretty relevant topic. But yeah. you know, twelve months to answer it is you know, a bit excessive, <laughs> but we got here in the end. <laughs> I mean, look, no one's no one's paying us to be here. Um, you know, uh, it is sort of. You what if you was a Patreon member? Uh, and you, you know, if if we had a Patreon, we'd have to make content for Patreon, and the the rate that we have time to you know, record a podcast, which is barely every six weeks now, is you know, it ain't happening. Okay. Um, cool. Also, I don't know. We could do like painting classes or something, uh, but like I don't know. I'm maybe maybe Jack. Like Jack's, you're pretty fucking good. I don't know if I I've got anything to teach anyone. I had more time, sure, but you know, it's one of those things where even trying to record a painting like tutorial, you'd have to have decent lighting, good camera, all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a setup. And- um, I th- so Sean. Who's obviously not here this evening? If anyone's wondering um, what he's doing, he's off. Uh, he's off in the spawning pool somewhere. Um, but uh, he he actually requested the Donald and I help him assist him with um, painting classes uh, in in Windsor, which is interesting. We haven't figured out the details, but I guess we're going to do something. Yes, yeah, well. here's up for it. So, I mean, I'm keen. I'll help you out. <coughs> Showing them not what uh, what not to do, but you know. Dono, I feel like you are um, have a very good standard of painting for getting like armies done very quickly. Like I'm very impressed with your the pace of your projects most of the time. Like impressed and also like a little bit scared. Uh, yeah, I think it's just hyper, <laughs> hyper fixation, a bit of ADHD, and good time management, I suppose. Well, there you go. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so that yeah. So that was. Uh, I also wanted to recommend Simple Green. Um, I'm not sure what it's called in every country, but it's like a in Australia you can get it from Bunnings, and it's like a you have to dilute it, but you can leave models in a soak it overnight, and that um, generally takes the paint it's off. Much as more well. gentle. And that very, is yeah, it's very a bit gentle. More gentle for, than alcohol. Yeah, very gentle for resin. You can chuck uh, any kind of like forgeable resin fine casting there, and it won't damage it like uh, Dettol or isopropyl. And you yeah. still got to do a, a little toothbrush scrub. Yeah, 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 yeah. You still scrub it, but it's a bit softer. It's not as harsh as um, isopropyl is. Okay, um, I've never. This is another stripped, option. I've never stripped any models, but it sounds like you know I may be tempted to do so if I like want to like dig some of my old fantasy stuff out. Um, I've got you know like a for instance an Empire Mortar that is a film assembled and oh. has a pretty old like two thousand and four paint job on it which I could integrate into my current army, but I would have to repaint it. I mean, it. you're not just going to find a new one, right? Well, exactly. I don't you're know not how gonna, long you're not going they've to. been out of yeah. you know, production for, but... Quite a while. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so <laughs> now I've gotten that out of the way, let's go on to the news. Um. So uh, we'll go on to the GW stuff after because it's kind of like big-ish stuff. Ooh-wee. Um, so I wanted to talk about uh, Duncan Rhodes. Uh. What's it called? Two simple coats, Jack? 
Two thin coats. Two thin coats. Two thin coats. Two thin coats. He's face. Well, are you two sure you watch enough out. of those uh, YouTube videos <laughs> of his? Uh, I'm not the biggest fan. Like he's not. It's not really my style. Yeah, that's fine. Um, I watched his camo ones. Uh, they were interesting. Um, I'm not saying he's a bad painter. It's just it's not like I don't know. It's not my style. Like that whole heavy metal kind of thing. Um. Yeah. He so he so two thin uh, two thin coats have uh, got phase two coming out. Um, and mm-hmm. the reason we're excited for this is because the he's revived the GW Glazers. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. Um. It, so it's so it's a new paint range, right? This two thin coats thing. It's so two, two thin coats. Yeah. Proprietary. It's his own paint own paint range. company. Okay. Yes. He individually thins each bottle. Yeah, um, he kind of so like it's it's kind of an imitation of GW, I guess, or just like an alternative. Um, and he sets them up in like color triads, so it'll be like, yep. here is a here is three greens that I recommend you use, and like it does does say on the pot, right, Jack? It goes with these. Yeah, so like you've got green. shadow, midtone, highlight. That's there, how yeah, you sort of go. got them split up. Yeah. Um, as opposed to G Dubs, which is like layer shade base or something. Um, yeah, I guess it makes sense too. But um, I think for some reason the Duncan Rose ones ex- is accepted as a bit clear, like better communicated. Um, yeah, for it, that purpose, it breaks it down to like a like pretty easy steps to follow. Like if you've watched his videos, you can see how he's taken what he talk the way he talks about painting and translate it into the way he's doing his paint range. So it's like yeah. pretty easy to follow, which is good. Yeah. Okay. Um, a lot of people are yeah. a fan. So. Yeah, I've yeah. used them a little bit and I've quite, like I've enjoyed them a fair bit. I haven't been able to crack out the phase two ones yet. They're just still sitting on my desk, but there are quite a few interesting paints in there. Like we've got all the old glazes. Well, what what is old is new again. What is old is new those again. Glazers. We got some of the bright paints that they used to do, which were like what were GW ones called? The pastel ones that they were doing. Oh, had they had them for a very like short a, period of time. Yeah, they're like a highlight. They're supposed to be like a highlight color. There was like um Yeah. I think Baharov well, Blue they, they, originally they, was one. Were they yeah. they're called edge paints or something? Edge, edge highlights. Edge paints. Something yeah, like edge that. Paints. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Gorse Blaster Green was one of them, I think. Um, yeah, those ones. Yeah, yeah. I've got yeah. Dawn Yellow is one. Yeah. Uh, Someone's digging around for them. <laughs> Don't know Edge paints. Around. Yeah, you got like Barrel Edge Blue, paints. Blue Horror, Decala Lilac, Dawn Yellow. Yeah. Those ones, yeah. Barrel Blue is one of my favorite paints. It's a good paint. Like yeah. Actually, in, in, in thinking of that, while everyone's here, is there like... So talking about paints, because uh, there's like there's so many companies that are doing sort of like, um, well, like retro style paints now because everyone's got a bit of a nostalgia for pre two thousand ten like paint ranges. Um, there was like there's Warcolor which does uh, the nostalgia ninety four and eighty eight, which I guess they're not doing anymore, which is kind of like a ripoff of like nineties GW colors. Um, is there is there like when you look around like your paint set, like, and you, you do like a whole, like an army or something, is there like a paint, is there like a paint, like an auxiliary paint that you like default to, to like highlight or intensify colors or anything? I've got a few that I can think of. 
Jack? Mm. Is um, there any any that you really just like? Like if you're doing your son, like you've done your sons of Horus, you've done your Alpha Legion, you've done your yeah. Undead. Is there any colors in there that are like similar that you've you've brought through each army? Like there's like things that you fall back on. So the Alpha Legion was sort of like my first step into heresy, like actual actual um heresy. Um, and I would say my style changed quite a lot between that and my Sons of Horus. Right. So nothing really came across from them. But um, something I did carry from my Sons of Horus into painting my fantasy was the way I do like my golds and medals, a bit more like grungy, grim, dark, for, back of, for lack of a better term, style so, of metallic. So, so I start with like, like a, a really few, dark, is there like a, dark metal and work my you, way up. Yeah, is there? A yeah, like Warblock Bronze is or... one of my favorite ones. Yep, it's like my favorite base paint for doing any kind of gold, even um, even steel. It's really good. Yeah, you get that real like pocket worn, rusted sort of look. Makes mm, it look yeah. really aged. I'll have to check it out. So, Warblock Bronze. Yeah, it's like one of my favorite paints that GW does. However, I found it dries out pretty quick. Uh. It could be quick to me because it's. A long time in between painting sessions for me, so I might be like, "Oh, it's only been six months; it's already um, dried com- out. What's going on?" A comparable color to that is in the scale range is um, decayed metal. It's not as warm, not as purple. It's not. It's not. It's not as dark. That's the only difference. Yeah, yeah. Well, like so decayed metal um, is really good. That's my yeah. Like that yeah. and uh, Victoria Brass is the only non-games workshop paints mm. that I own. Um, oh, really? Many many years of just defaulting to the boring games workshop stuff which have served me well and not yeah. uh, being too lazy to learn anything new uh the old uh michael at uh, at kerbox on instagram um kerbox? yeah uh, with a three instead of an e at kerbox um oh yeah he that's right got yeah. me on to uh scale 75 metallics um and they are very good so i think they should be in paint, a little bit like that uh, what block yeah, what is block a bit darker bronze, than decayed metal Okay. It's a bit more like it's definitely more purple, than, like uh, purple in it. Like, yeah, mm. but it, it gives you that good contrast between between your golds. Everyone should have scale seventy five metallics in there. Yeah, in the necro gold and absolutely. elf gold. Chef's yep. kiss. Absolutely, I agree with that. Um, what about you, Josh? Is there anything else that you kind of default to? I know you like. Is it Thunderhawk blue? Yeah, that's. Uh, I would say if I have to pick a single favorite paint color, uh, it is Thunderhawk Blue. I just, some, I really like that desaturated. Uh, I don't know. I don't even know the. T- I don't even have the terminology to describe. It's like it. a it's washed like, out blue, right? Yeah, it's like a washed desaturated um, kind of grayish blue. That's not yeah. gray. It's definitely blue, but it's also just not too hectic as a blue. It's not. It's super, like a hint of green in there. Yeah, it's green, but it also somehow feels warm to me, like an old friend. Like no, it's. It's just a very nice color. I use it for my Mechanicum as a mid-tone. I use it for um, my current uh, Dogs of War uh, Mercenary Army project as the main army color. But it's also just a very... um, It's kind of a thin, translucent, like, layer paint. And so I kind of... You can paint on a a coat of it and then just highlight it with itself to strengthen it. So it's just a, a really nice colored paint and it's also a nice paint to use as well. Like it feels like you can push it around a bit and, you know, thins out nicely, glazes onto things nicely. So mm. I use that in everything. I also pretty much in every army use Dawnstone in some way, you know, that light gray 
that's like a warm light gray. Yeah, 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 yeah. I find that's very, very handy for like, if you want to paint a gray beard on an old character, you know, Dawnstone is a base. and then But then if you want to do some nice, realistic, simple black, you just, you know, highlight something with edge highlighted with the Dawnstone. So I really like the one stone. I use that in everything. Um, and I also really love, though find it difficult to use, is Rakath Flesh. So it's that off-white color, the base paint. You find it difficult to use? Is that what you said? Well, it just, yeah, because it separates out in the pot, even if it's yeah, just you know, two days since I last used that, it. Yeah. And you've yep. got to shake the hell out of it. And then um, you've got to thin it out. And then when you thin it out, it doesn't have very good coverage. So... Like my lizard men, um, they're all painted with Rakath flesh as their like skin tone, and mm-hmm. I got to do two thin coats of that stuff, and sometimes even like three thin coats if I'm doing a character, and I really want things to be solid. I did use so, that color on my basement on purpose because it does have a bit of translucency. Yeah, it's a great, um, it's a great paint. Yeah, because I started with Indian Shadow and then highlighted it with with the Rakath flesh, so you could still see that pink through it. Indian Shadow is a great color. What about you, Dono? You got any? Is there any like colors that you sort of like auxiliary colors that you just can't not use besides um, um, scale seventy five golds? Because you're a fan of those too. Uh, yes, yeah, so scale seventy five golds, but uh, Vallejo metal color, uh, burnt iron, jet exhaust, and silver. Um, so those colors are super interesting because um, they're specifically made for the airbrush, right? Yeah, but I do um, them so mainly you- by brush. Yeah, do you? What do you do? Because they're they're quite thin. So, do you have like a little technique um, for doing them by brush? Because they can just run everywhere, and the pigment separates super quickly as well. Um, mm. Because they're designed for that airbrush uh, fluid medium in them. Um, I get a little bit of like paper towel or whatnot, and only put a couple of drops in. You know, those little five mil metal uh, dishes, mixing dishes. Little dishes, yeah, yeah, they're great. Yeah, put a couple of drops in there, <laughs> mix it around a little bit, rinse the brush get some out, just dab off some of the excess moisture and then just um, be really uh, or be as careful as possible when applying it so you don't get that uh, capillary action running in the, in the recesses. But I find that um, you can just oil and weather straight on top of that metal colour. It's very durable. Uh, I think you've recently done that as well and you've just like found the same thing. As long as you've got like a nice uh, solid coat, you don't have to worry about uh, removing any of it when you do that oil pin washing stage or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, particularly um, metallics because their pigments should be that should be denser. Yeah, um, yeah, the way that metallics work in general, you should be okay with that. Um, other colors, maybe not so much because oils. If the color isn't completely dry, the oil will find its way into you know cracks in the surface and just lift it up. That has happened to me before, so there has yeah. been some learning involved. Um, it's definitely, uh, it, it's worth it though. I think it gives that metal an actual, the metal finish of the paint instead of having to have a, a gloss finish or a matte finish. So it gives it that more of a, uh, true metallic kind of finish. Um, and then I think scale 75 have a black called decay black. Uh, it's from their fantasy color range and that's my go-to black uh, I don't know. I can't describe why I like that black more than the other blacks, but I like that black more than the other blacks. Decayed black. Uh, yeah. Let me, let me just grab it. Make sure it's the right one. Decayed black. I never. Yeah, I never from, heard that color. 
from the yeah, Fantasy. Yeah, Black. It's from yep. their uh, Shadows of Doom box, but you can buy it individually. It's just uh, it's a very dark blue black. Um, oh yeah, cool. So it's a cool black to start off with, as opposed to like the warm black. Um, yeah. So yeah, use that as a base, and then chuck warm blacks on top, and you get a nice subtle contrast, I suppose. Sounds really good. Um, but yeah, apart from that, cool. I've discovered a new go-to paint. Pro Aperol's um, grey series as well. Uh, they're super highly pigmented, so you can you have to thin them down a lot through the airbrush. Like uh, one part paint, like three parts thinner, uh, and you still get yeah, that yeah, coverage. yeah. So yeah, because they're quite yeah, because they're quite dense paints, those aren't they? Yeah, yeah, really dense, but really good. Uh, definitely worth. They come in a twenty-two mil dropper instead of like a seventeen mil dropper, so. I don't know if that's if you count meals as long as you count pennies. Um, yeah. All right. Um, I got a couple that I like at the moment. Uh, one of them is Scale Seventy Five Abyssal Blue, uh, which is is like a blue, like it's black but with like a blue shade on top of it. Um, and I've been using that to base room everything, just like something a bit more interesting than flat black. And uh, Vallejo's deck tan. I've been mixing into everything to make a highlight, which is like a it's like an eggshell color. So you like replace the old ice yellow slash ivory with deck tan. Well, that's correct. So my, my ivory ran out, and I bought this deck tan. Um, and I noticed it's a bit um, I don't know. It's got a it's 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 a shade darker and grayer than ivory. Um, so it it doesn't seem to desaturate the the colors that I'm using as much. Um, if I was to use uh, ivory. Um, but I cracked out the ice yellow yesterday for some um, some yellow highlights. Um, yeah, it was fine. <laughs> um, I don't use it as much anymore. Um, and then P3 Coal Black I use in just about everything these days. So, yeah. Well, uh, Incubi Darkness. Um that's an excellent paint. That's a thing. Uh, very similar color. More yeah, miles, from, miles from Little Legend Studios. Little Legend Studios, he's like a massive uh, proponent of that paint for mm. using on almost anything. And like no matter what color it is, you can thin it down and like glaze stuff and shade stuff and it will add depth and um, life to anything. Yes. I think yeah. Also, I've been told I am a very basic level painter, honestly, compared <laughs> to you guys. And obviously, compared to Miles from Little Legend Studios, almost everyone is. Oh, but, mate, um, dude, don't, don't be like that. You've, you've got uh, you've got like more Instagram followers than all of us. Yeah, you have uh, the most Instagram, I think more than the three of us combined. I think so, well, yeah. Well, I have been posting, I've been posting for three years quite consistently. And I think you also post, yeah. post a lot of crew. Yeah, well, also, I think, uh, I don't know, I feel like I have a very simple style of painting and maybe, I know, I think my stuff looks pretty good but i guess maybe it also looks approachable to people like it's like uh you know i follow some of these pro painters i'm like yeah i'll follow them and look at their stuff but i'm not even gonna bother trying to figure out what they're doing because it's i don't have the time and you know skill and you know that they you know that i would have to apply to get that result or anything like that result so i don't know uh, i find i, get I saw your of- great swords you've you've painted individual fucking eyeballs so Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You've got it's, some it's, skill, mate. No, no, it, it's it's a bit of a you know it's a bit of patience and detail there. Yeah, thank you. Um, I'm really happy with those great swords. But the actual stuff I'm doing, like, there's nothing has more than like 
what two or three layers of or separate paints on it it's very basic kind of like mid 2000s style classic games workshop stuff no fancy oil washes or anything and i think i do get a lot of questions um about like oh how did you do this and it's generally always a very simple answer and so i think maybe that's one of the reasons as well is that people kind of check it out and they're like oh yeah like i can something about this i can tell that i could get here if i you don't airbrush do you no, I don't. I'd never like held an airbrush. No, um, I've seen them. That's even more impressive. I I understand that they exist in the world. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, dude. What are you, what are you talking about? Basic. Um, yeah, you, you could put your staff. Uh, quite easily. What's going on? Um, quite easily in a white dwarf, and it just would not look out of place. Eh. Oh, that's very kind. Yeah, I think um, it's what I mean is it's simple and basic. It's it's not not to say that it look doesn't look good. It's just that there's nothing special going on under the hood. There's no secret yeah, tricks. But that's, that should be like army painting in general, right? It is like in like I don't want to piss on the whole community, but I've like having played Heresy like all for the past what is it now, fourteen months. I've seen some fucking trash. And a lot of that is, like, th- there's nothing in army painting that should be difficult. It's all quite simple steps, right? Yeah, and I mean, I think... I don't know like, if people, like, really want to take them, to be honest. Well, I, I know what you mean. Like, it's kind of like everyone gets caught up with various, like, you know, I mean, it's like anything in life, I suppose. The uh, the little life hacks and uh, little, you know, tricks and, uh, you know, do it, do it twice as fast kind of thing gets attention and, um, you know, people froth over it. But no one wants to just, you know, do the basic stuff and learn the fundamentals, which is actually what will serve you the best. I mean, I just advocate non oil. Like, there's all these people who have, you know, somewhat mediocre looking stuff on Instagram, and it's fine. They're like all learning. But it's like, dude, everything you do would just be improved if you just use non oil. And using non oil is not at all complicated or difficult. You know what I mean? Well, um, um, a lot of people readily available as well. On this topic, yeah, and it, do you use the new known oil uh, formula? Apparently, I, there's a controversy going on here. I don't. I'm not a connoisseur oh. of oils of known, uh, but apparently, there's a difference. I, I had, um, I have a gloss. Oh. Well, I had a gloss known oil, which they don't make anymore. That I actually think was the one of the best things they ever did. That and oh, the gloss agrax. Gloss agrax. Oh, yeah. I have, okay, I have so one got, bottle left, and it's sacred. You know, it doesn't get used I, on everything because it's uh, limited. Okay, well, to reiterate that I'm a very basic painter, I did not know that that changed, and I'm <laughs> I bought many, many non oils and Agrax Earthshades in my time, and so I must have changed over at some point, and I have not noticed and not cared. So oh, that's so the level it changed of attention. Was it recent? It only Not changed. Recent. Uh, oh, like the past when they when they shade when they change their labels, I think is when they change the the formulation. Yeah. So they've they've changed they, in the past twelve months and they've added a few shades. The ones we're talking about are from quite some time ago. They were making a normal null oil and then a gloss null oil as well at the same time. Oh, um, okay, was it actually labeled yeah, as gloss? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, I'm it sorry. was. Yeah, yeah. I've yeah. never involved myself with that, so. I'm just talking about the baseline null oil, um, and whatever it is, people should be using it more because uh, you know I see a lot of people just you know obviously basic beginner painters and they're earnestly trying, and they just paint a lot of very like flat stuff with base paints and maybe a highlight, 
or dry brush, but it's like you just put some null oil on there and it's yeah. so easy and it will look so much better. Why aren't you doing A little bit this? of wash goes a long way. Makes so yeah. much detail pop out that you wouldn't yeah, otherwise think. Exactly. It, and it's honestly, every thing I paint, the step two after base coats is null oil goes on everything. It's again, it's like I said, it's I feel like my results are pretty good, but everything I'm doing is very, very simple. I don't have the patience or the, you know, the uh, I don't want to invest effort in learning new stuff. I just do the same things and slightly refined and they're all simple. So everyone just buy null oil, you know. <laughs> buy stocks in it. Yeah. Agrex Earthshade also, lots lots of people like that. Um, and I do as well, but at null oil. Instant, um, oh, what do they used to call that? Instant uh, liquid talent. <clears throat> um, yeah, both those things. Uh, anyway, um, what else do I want to talk about? About that? a lot of solid uh, painting talk there. What a solid painting talk. No, it's good. I actually really enjoy talking about that stuff. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen it. Like Darren Latham's got like speaking on like the Olden Hammer. Uh, time. Oh, the space Jack- Jack- challenge that's going around. Yeah, I tried to. I, tr- I actually tried to find one. They're actually surprisingly expensive. Um, I don't know if that was before Darren Latham uh, announced that, but uh, there's been some fucking wild shit going like actual really high class like 90s style painting going on oh it's some of it's absolutely beautiful like like hats off to people that are painting them it's just i don't know it's not something um i've even thought about like trying to dip my fingers in yet yeah i don't have i've got uh, i've haven't got enough time to get my army done so i don't uh derail myself with these little projects but they they are cool um, yeah, because Jack and I have been talking about for a while doing Crystal Brush, um, which is like the the big painting competition in Canberra. Um, At CanCon, I'm pretty sure. CanCon, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is Can-Con. it CanCon? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's CanCon. Um, so, yeah, we were talking about finding something retro to paint for it. So I've got like an old Mordheim captain, like, a, like the Reichland one with the pistol and sword and the big floppy hat. Um, oh, very nice. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. There's there's some pretty good shit that goes there. I mean, it's just about entering, right? It's not about, um, you know, actually winning or anything. It's just about you know getting getting there. If you're going to enter, you so, might as well try a good way to get feedback from like from people who are like skilled enough to be judges. You know, like yeah, they can absolutely. give like pretty good feedback about things like that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so cool. Uh, and then um, the other, sorry. So now we're done that. Uh, the next part of the news was I want to talk about Highlands Mini's uh, next part of their Patreon, like their part, part of their three um, D sculpt range that they're doing, and that's called the the Galia range, which is like their proxy Bretonians, um, which are just looking fantastic. So next month is like they're releasing a whole like regiment of like. Um, foot knights, like squires, and they look really fucking cool. Um, they're essentially got- like Bretonian great swords, like great swordsmen, because like most of them have two handed weapons. So if you think about like great sword, like for the empire, but then have Bretonian embellishments, I know yeah, that's like the yeah. easiest way to like sort like, of describe like them. Dismounted, you know, foot knights. Yeah, you know, they've got the big Bretonian helm some of them have and yeah. Um and they've already done like a whole range of uh knight 
Knights of the Realm and uh, peasants like uh, Bowman and Halberdiers uh, and Trebuchet. Like, honestly, um, if Old World was not coming and I really wanted to do a Bretonian army, this is what this is my first. This would be my first port of call. Well, this you sent me the link to them. Why not? You sent me the link to them when I was thinking about doing them. Um, yeah. And yeah, if Old World hadn't been announced, we had to get those new previews of Bretonian sculpts, and I wasn't such a sucker for nostalgia. I probably would find someone with a nice three D printer. And this is the same mob, uh, Jeff, that you're using for your dwarves. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. Yep. Maybe Absolutely. we'll hear about more about that project later in the episode. Yeah, yeah, we will. Don't worry. Uh yeah. So same people who are doing all the dwarves. I've been um getting. They've got uh they've got a heap of empire proxies. Um, empire not like aren't. I guess as I mean they are now because they're not selling any of that crap until Old World comes back, which is only a recent thing. Um, but they they were doing you know their own versions of that stuff as well. They've got like a whole bunch of Night Goblin stuff as well that they've done in the past year. They got and it's all great. It's all fantastic. Um, the stuff that they're doing is honestly better than GW ever did. Um, let's just hope that Old World is really good. Um, like the, the the whatever they're releasing for it, like if they do do a range refresh. Um, but if you're sort of um, if you've got access to someone with a really good three D printer, um, and you you're okay with not having just GW stuff, these guys I recommend highly um, because, like, honestly, this Bretonian stuff you wouldn't even notice it next to old school. GW stuff, you'd just be like, oh, okay, did you do some conversional stuff? Like, no one would even... If anything, they'd, they'd ask stuff. if you found some very crisp uh, GW sprues, right? Because they're those old Knights of the Realm sprues, they're not the crispest of uh, casts, are they? Nah, they're dog no. shit. <clears throat> so if anything, they'd be like, oh, did you uh, individually file up each one of those risers on that Knights uh, little... <laughs> Yeah, as long as it's all painted consistently as well and based, you know, from a mm. you know the distance off off the table, it's all going to look pretty good. And yeah, no, no one's going to notice you. Yeah, yeah. Um. Anyway, I don't think uh, GW has actually released anything for AOS lately that's sort of been um, interesting. They've obviously got that whole uh, Cities of Sigma range refresh that's coming out, which has got some crazy thing. We've we've spoken about that probably enough before. Um, some of it looks kind of interesting. I really like the knights, the cavaliers. I think I've probably said that a couple of times now. Yeah, they're very cool um, models. They look big though, so I don't know. I, I was considering. Oh, they're going to be massive. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was considering holding out maybe to make my like mercenary captain, like general leader of my army, out of the you know free guild marshal or whatever it's called. But I'm yeah. always just worried about those new models, uh, as as lovely as they are, just not quite fitting in. With the scale and aesthetic of the old Empire stuff, I so. think it depends. If he's going to be running around with the halberdier, like if you've got like some regular dudes, like the state troops. I don't have you done. You've done some crossbows, but and you got any like spearmen or anything? Nah, because it's again. I'm uh, as I'll explain later. I'm the, my yeah, army's yeah. not just an Empire army. It's so yeah, yeah. I'm using a lot of their models, but it's not really um, baseline. I'm Empire sure, models. like just like the Empire, like the the one dude's not going to be anyway. Whatever. Man, he's um, just super jacked. He's just one yeah. guy who's just been, yeah. 
It's been hitting the tools. Anyway, so and then we'll move on to the main topic for this evening that I wanted to talk about with the news, and that is the last Old World Development Diary. Has anyone read it yet? Does everyone know basically what this is all about? It has been, yeah. You should have read it. It's the 24th of July. Yeah, nearly a month. Well, I can I just preface this by saying that obviously besides the, you know, it's not actually that much very hard solid information there that's specific so what we're gonna say it will inevitably have lots of you know baseless uh poorly informed speculation so if anyone's enraged by that like needless to say we're going to enrage you further because you know that's just what it's all about like it's fun to chat about it we don't 100 percent know what's going on they're being very sparing with specific details mm. probably deliberately i guess it's a part of their weird strategy of ambiguity but yeah we're gonna obviously be just speculating a lot and that's okay yeah um dude i've seen uh other podcasts like uh our friend val um and the honest wargamer do like they did like an hour and a half just talking about this one article so i don't know how i don't know how i don't think we'll do spend it. that long on it no 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 not that long maybe 10 minutes okay so they did this development diary what it basically says is that um you know it's about mass combat um, you don't have to worry so much, like because obviously the 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 base sizes are a big thing. That's what everyone's talking about right now. Um, twenty five going to thirty, twenty going to twenty five. So the tw- anything that's on a twenty is going definitely going to twenty five, right? That is hard. That that's like the only hey, information that we have. But hang on, you just said twenty five going to thirty. We don't know that for sure, right? No, 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 that we don't. Been, no, no, sorry. Uh, I should have twenty five. I think it's reasonable to assume that some models on 25 millimeter bases like Saurus and Chaos Warriors and stuff are going to a larger base because they are incredibly crowded in and uh, the most recent versions of Saurus and uh, Chaos Warriors, like I haven't got the new Saurus. Uh, I've heard from people that the new Chaos Warriors, if you spend an inordinate amount of time precisely posing each individual model, you can get them to rank up on 25 millimeter bases, but the average person who's getting excited and buying a set and wants to participate in this hobby is not going to do that. And so it's not reasonable to keep them on 25s. So we know that 25 isn't the new minimum sized square based for infantry. And then there's a lot of heftier infantry, you know, like Orc Boys and Saurus and Chaos Warriors that will presumably move to a larger base. We, but we don't have any confirmation what that si- that new size is, whether it's 30 yeah. mil, maybe like 28, because there are there are some Warcry models have 28 millimeter round bases. Yeah, yeah. Some um, of the, um, the yeah, sisters. Yeah, they brought that out with battle. the sisters, sisters of Battle. Yeah, it's like yeah. 28 oh. and a half mil. Yeah, 28 and a really half mil. It's really strange. Surely yeah. they wouldn't do that because it just doesn't, doesn't add up. No, just looking at some of these surely. pictures, you can see like... Um, there's a picture weird. of like orcs lining up against elves, and you can see a uh, law master of Hoth on the twenty-five mil, and then the cavalry base next to it. It does look like it is possibly a thirty mil base. A thirty mil base. Oh, yeah. what picture is this? The so in that second article, one down. If you go to, the second one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. When there's the okay. Uh, oh, orcs that's interesting. Off. Yeah, you can see that it is like distinctly bigger. Oh, people have used like various parallax measurement on these images to test that so try and figure out yeah i'm sure someone has done that <laughs> that is interesting yeah i see what you mean because so, the, uh yeah okay all the elf infantry is on 25s right yeah so. yep yeah so what this basically means is um in this part of the, the article is that 
um, regardless of how sort of wide your actual unit is, everyone in the front rank gets to fight. It's pretty big. Regardless if it's in base contact or not. That's an interesting big. change. Yeah. And that actually presumably will somewhat mitigate the like importance of what base size individual models are on, right? That's correct. Because, yes. yeah. that is because correct. that's one of the biggest things people are saying, oh, well, hang on. If you don't have your, if you've got an old army with, you know, you know, men and elves and dwarves on 20, 20 mil bases, you know, you're going to get way more attacks uh, compared to someone who's on 25. Like, I would not be rebasing my undead. Like, I'm not going to pull all the zombies no. and skeletons off. And I don't think you should. I'll right? probably like put them on, like, a spaced movement tray or something, but. But you might not even need to. We don't, I mean, we don't know the full rules, but it sounds like, yeah. you know, it doesn't matter what the base size is. If it, the units don't line up precisely, you'll you'll get the attacks you get. Um, it may be just so that they can go a bit more dynamic with the models that they produce for Old World. Hmm. Like, they can be a bit more, like, flamboyant in their design. So if you look at, like, the new Chaos Warriors or the new Lizardmen, there's a lot more life in those models. They're not just, Definitely. like, standing there. So... If that's the only difference that it's going to mean is you can use these new models, that's fantastic. It means a lot of people don't have to rebase what they've already got. And I have a, I have a, I don't know about you guys, I have a soft spot for like dense blocks. Like I love my Saurus being like very meaty little dense, you know, bricks of, of boys. Yeah. Um, and that's a, that's a good look. However, um, it is a pain lining up all their tails. Um, and, you know... My experience so far, um, and this is a bit of a spoiler, I have put all my new infantry models for my current army on 25 mil bases, and basically no one has noticed when I put up all these photos, and they're like, oh, nice dense unit there. And it's like, no, well, they're on 25 mil bases. And mm. so to me, I was worried that you might lose that coherent, dense regiment look, but I don't think you do with most models. I think it that aesthetic of like dense, you know, square blocks has uh, has been maintained even with the bigger base sizes. Yeah, um, that also hopefully um, they've kind of said you know it gives you advantage or disadvantage to running certain size units. So hopefully, I don't know if they're getting rid of hordes by the sound of it because like half the pitches they've got hordes or like quite big units quite clearly quite wide. in the photos. Um, cause I was kind of hoping like hordes look very fucking cool, right? Let's be honest. Um, but they are kind of unwieldy and they are kind of, you know, broken. Um, yeah, I they shouldn't did kind have of like ruin the game a little bit depending yeah. on what kind of horde you were running. Like what <laughs> I faction? shouldn't be able to kill 30 <laughs> fucking, um, storm vermin in one round of combat with my gore horde. Yeah. That's savage. Poor Tom. Um, poor Tom. <laughs> um, so I was kind of hoping like we'd go back to like, you know, maybe maybe 24, 25 was like the biggest unit you'd see, like a 5x5, five 6x4, five, something like that. No more ranks than files would be good. Yeah, that'd something be good. Like that. That'd be great. Um, so Well, um, yeah, like I think there's – so they imply that, um, that basically all the um, front rank models can fight in combat even if they're not in base contact. Yes. yes. So, so now – Obvious question is then, well, why not? You know, not that anyone, any of us would do this, or any of the people we play with would do this. But you know, some internet person who's never painted in a model and is just trolling people will say, "Oh, well, everyone's just going to run twenty wide units, only one rank deep, and they'll get so many attacks." So there's got to be some counterbalancing 
Well, also the stipulation that that counteracts that that means that's not like rank bonuses and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm 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 hoping, or if not sure, that that stuff will get carried over. You know, so yeah, you may have all those attacks, but then if you with your rolls, you have no um, combat res. Also, good good luck wheeling around a twenty wide unit. Yeah, (laughs) a twenty wide unit. Yeah, I think I think everyone is. Wield it around like a ten wide unit, and even that is hard very unwieldy. Yeah, and yeah. also you can get multi charged by other unit, like by you know. Oh, imagine getting units. slammed in the flank, and you just go twenty wide, one rank. You just got yeah. one dude to attack with, yeah. One dude, yeah. Like you'd be you'd be well cooked. <laughs> the troll obviously hasn't seen daylight. Um, speaking yeah. of speaking of this, the next part of the article is breaking the enemy. Just while we're on the topic, um, it says something. So uh, I'm just going to read this bit and see what you guys think because I'm I'm struggling to understand what the hell they mean. One thing we were keen for the Warhammer the Old World to represent was the push and pull of battle, capturing the way in which a hard-pressed army will gradually succumb to fatigue and attrition. To achieve this, units that lose a round of combat will often give ground reluctantly rather than immediately breaking and fleeing, while the winner can advance to press their advantage. Players will quickly learn, however, that a cunning enemy will use his push and pull of battling units to lay traps, and an advancing unit runs the risk of exposing a vulnerable flank to a well-timed countercharge. I like um, this. Yeah, I, mean, I like the sound good. of it. The theory so the idea is you might move a few inches back. If you lose a combat but don't break and run, you would just get ground yeah. back and like you'll be you know shuffling backwards. Uh under the yeah. pressure of the enemy advance. That is very cool. I don't know how it will work or whether it will be like a fixed amount or a random roll or they'll, you know, that you like move a, back a number of inches winning. in proportion. Or something. How, yeah, but it does sound cool and does sound interesting. I think it make, might make it a little bit more fun as well because, like, as much as we love seeing, like, a whole horde get run down, it's pretty pretty like heartbreaking for the opponent like if you're keeping that player still invested in the game a bit more it's going to make the game a bit more fun for both players i'm pretty sure i can see that when my yeah. gore horde got ran off the table once yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but just in general anyone that runs those big blocks if you lose that that's like a good you know 25 percent, if not more of your army in one unit yeah, yeah. sometimes well, with the case of your gore horde it's probably 50 percent uh, yeah, but I mean that's my fault. It's my it. fault for designing that. Yeah, I mean, that's not like a that's that's <laughs> well, the game's that's fault. That's not what's fault. My own, frankly, it's my fault. So uh, one thing I was thinking when I read this is that a lot of people are critical of the steadfast rule from Eighth Edition, in which you know if you have more ranks than an enemy unit, you kind of have this stubborn style effect of taking an unmodified leadership test. Mm-hmm. So it means yep. that no matter how much you get thrashed, if you're just some basic Skaven rats or whatever. If you just have ranks, you know you, you you're going to be fine most of the time. You'll just roll a you know pretty good leadership test with unmodified, like with your leadership not modified by the losses you take. And a lot of people thought, oh, this is kind of an it really incentivizes this like tar pitting style of gameplay yeah. where it doesn't feel very nice for like it doesn't matter how elite a unit is chopping through rats or whatever, they're always going to get stuck. And the rats yeah, will like, never imagine break. like blood crushers charging through the 
a unit of Skaven slaves. Yeah, and exactly. They they're still steadfast because they have more ranks. Like that doesn't make sense. And and then also, um, I th- as far as I recall, even if you get flanked and lose your rank bonus, uh, you don't actually lose steadfast. Is that right? Uh, depends so, on the size of the unit flanking you. So I right. think like uh, let's I'll put it in perspective that uh, I think everyone will understand. I'm pretty sure to knock out someone's flank, you need like a whole rank of dudes to get rid of your rank bonus. So like, say I don't know. Say say you little say you source block a twenty four is fighting twenty swordsmen or something like thirty swordsmen, right? Hmm. And they're like they're losing, but then they're like, "Oh, so here's my detachment of ten halberdiers into your flank." As long as five of those halberdiers can make a rank, you won't get your flank bonus. I'm pretty sure that's how it works. Um, it hasn't come up for, in a long time. Um, so, like a single monster doesn't knock out your rank bonus, regardless of how much damage it, it could do in, in comparison. Yeah. I think um, a lot of people, basically people find that the steadfast rule makes infantry disproportionately good no matter how bad the infantry are. If there's enough of them, then it sort of bogs anything down no matter how fearsome. So I have a suspicion that this push and pull kind of like falling back without breaking, that may replace or supplement the steadfast rule. So even if you don't break... You do have a consequence. You get pushed back. You're like you're getting ground down, and, yeah. and you're yeah. gradually giving ground. And so, what it means is, is that in you know you can't have an a totally solid line that never you never take you know that you, that doesn't move on the front line. Uh, even if you just sort of try to bog someone down with kind of crap tier infantry, you will actually get pushed back. So your line will kind of break up, and um, it will give mm. you know your opponent some options for maneuvering and stuff. Yeah, it'll make it a bit more dynamic the battlefield. Like, what do you guys uh, reckon? I don't know. Like, I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know if I agree with the dy- like the dynamic combat. You don't like that I, idea? I well, I so it, this is the way I see a lot of fantasy games playing most of the time. It's like you have like a big scrum in the middle, and that's it. Like, it's basically you. The game is leading yeah. to that scrum usually, depending on like what else is going on. Someone but gets usually, a big spell off, and that's that yep. decides the game. Yeah. So this will even like it, it'll either it'll probably like. Um, ex- uh, exacerbate that it'll basically mean that we're just like fighting lines of dudes in the middle of the battlefield and like that's where the battle takes place there are things about Steadfast that I really don't like and it is kind of like I remember having a game against Danny and like five night goblins held up the fucking Jabba Slythe um, oh because it was a complete rank because it was at a complete rank I'm just like that's bull- like that, that it is a bullshit rule in that sort of sense so that's something out of you know, you could someone who really likes six edition could argue is stupid because yeah. Jabberslith would have like a a bigger unit size. But so maybe they'll have something to do with like unit strength. Break. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Who knows? Because um, I say you're not going to break and flee immediately. It might happen eventually. So like, you know, maybe once you're down to a certain size of unit, then you're more. Like your possible, like the original way that I read this, the original you know way I mean? that I actually read this was that they were bringing in like that. Um, was that mechanic from uh, Age of Sigma, Battle Shock or something, where um, you like basically it's essentially instability or something. Like instead of oh, breaking, oh you just remove models, if yeah, you, you just fail. remove like, models. They're like, oh, they yeah. run away or something. Yeah, something fucking shit like that. <clears throat> that um, that's 
that that little rule for being flanked by two ranks is called disruption. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. You don't receive that unit doesn't receive the combat raise for ranks if it has two. If it's been attacked in the flank or rear by a unit with two or more ranks of five models. Oh, there you go. So two. Okay. Yeah. So I was so t- kind of correct models. in what I said. Yeah, ten models in ranks of so, five. But, yeah. but it, it, um, the, here in the um, I'm just double checking uh, while we're uh, discussing the steadfast unit. Uh, it does specifically say it should be noted a unit does not lose its steadfast status for being disrupted. A flank charge might be able to disrupt the unit, but it can't prevent the warriors in that unit realizing they outnumber the foe. Oh, so yeah, yeah. So so maybe the you know what would be cool if they reintroduce unit strength. So like monsters, for instance. Uh, have a unit strength of 10, infantry mm. 1, cavalry 2, and steadfast or an equivalent version of steadfast will be dependent not upon the number of ranks, but the number of like the unit strength. The unit side, so that yeah. means those night goblins wouldn't have been steadfast um, against that big monster, the Jabberscythe. And maybe also there'll be some kind of calculation where you compare the unit strength of models, and even if a unit holds, um, it gets pushed back a number of inches, you know, depending on the, you know, how many uh, unit strength they are numbered by, or something like that? Oh yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah, something. Like one that. Thing, I don't know if it's going to be very complicated because, like, the current trend with GW and their game releases is they're sort of getting rid of a lot of like the superfluous rulings. Like they're making it a bit more streamlined and a simpler sort of game. That's true. So, like, I would hope that they don't do that with this because I do like having some of those more complex rules for fantasy. And maybe but this game I'm is just worried they may do that. Like maybe this game or they'll is do something towards that. grognards like us. Maybe. <laughs> I would I would like it if they did like a basic rules and then the advanced rules, how they do with like Titanicus and Heresy. You know, you, there's like the standard rules you can play if you don't want to use all the extra rules, but then if you want to use all those extra rules, go for it. So it'd be good to see if they did that with this. Well, so get people in, get people into the game with the basic rules, like new people, while you know all us grognards play with all the rest of them because we like that. But it'll get new people into the door, and then they'll slowly be like, "All right, I want to try these new rules." And if they like it, they like it. If they don't, they don't. But just getting more people in the door for this hobby would be really good because, let's face it, we really want old world to succeed because we want them to continue supporting it. And that requires and not new drop players. It. Exactly. So hopefully they can pull people over from Age of Sigma and 40k, and maybe even people that don't even play any GW games bring well, them in for this. I've been seeing on Reddit recently a lot of people uh, jumping ship on 10th Ed and asking the 30k community on Reddit how to join 30k and if it's going to be a funner experience than 40k. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. So um, like I've seen a few things with 10th edition that I'm like, okay, that seems kind of cool. But then there's like a lot of it that I'm like, it still doesn't feel like Does it when feel I like- used to play 40k. Yeah. Like, you know, there's they brought some rules sort of back in a way. Does it feel like there's any narrative nuance to it anymore? It's just like, I have this strategy, I have this unit, I win kind of thing oh I yeah it's it. almost like you could just look at the list and then be like all right that person wins people taking that like i i just know this one one uh i i could be i could be misquoting this but it's like that you know that one dude who has like the big sword in the primaris i mean he's like the executioner oh no yeah, uh, he's got, like, the, he's got the, the balaclava or not the balaclava, yeah the yeah yeah mask on yeah dude, he's i'm like pretty sure pale he, and pasty yeah i'm pretty sure he can just like go into a unit He's got strikes first, so he's striking first. 
then he does like, I don't know, he, he can do some absurd amount of attacks, hitting on twos, wounding on twos, and then just do like 80 wounds in one combat. What? Like, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I don't know if that's like with strategy That's pretty or ridiculous. Oh, the, be... the whole st- I don't know if they cleared it up for 10th edition, but the way like who strikes first or goes last in close combat used to be fucking whack. It's like if you charge, but the unit you charge has strikes first, you go at the same time. But if you charge, you have strikes first and they have strikes first, you go at the same time. But then if someone makes you strike last with an ability, you strike normally, even if you charge to strike first. You know oh, what man. solves that? Dude. Having initiative, the initiative, initiative characteristic. Right. I know, right? <laughs> if, uh, uh, yeah. if, if I could have a like, hobby erection right now, it would be inverse from all of that. I, <laughs> my, I could not be more interested in what you're talking about. You mean, be <laughs> less interesting? That's fucking stupid. That's, that's fucking why. See, that sounds Look. more complicated than I thought they made the game. Yeah, yeah. Like, all these keywords. That's why we have been, been got tactics. Um, yeah, anyway, I mean, I don't um, want to on, on, talk shit on all this about topic. a game I don't play. I don't you don't want to talk shit about Warhammer. But, <laughs> yeah, no, but yeah, this 10th true. edition thing, I have noticed occasionally on my Instagram feed, some of the people that I follow have you know cool models and they playing games of 10th edition and i noticed this huge trend it seems very common of like these scoring zone little perspex rings or something on the terrain to like show when a model's actually in a scoring zone of an objective or something but it just like it just it's your immersion yeah it it, it destroys the immersion of like the nice terrain and the models having these like big glowing like rings around everything it's almost like making things look like a you know an RTS game, game on a computer, yeah, which is not yeah. like, that's not what the purpose of this is, is right. It's, you know, you want to create a, well, I at least want to create a cool immersive spectacle with the models, uh, you know, with good paint jobs and good terrain. And you're like telling a story, not kind of like, you know, pushing little tokens around or whatever. I don't know. Anyway, don't want to talk shit about a game I don't play. Maybe we should cover the rest of the article. The next the, one yeah, is... There's, there's one more, one more part. And it, it is magic. Yeah, so um, do you guys want me to read this again, or we yeah, go on, do it in do it in your voice, <sighs> different voice, okay. but I want a high elf voice, high elf. Arrogant. Give us Malkador, Malkador. Magic is integral to the game, though mechanics of its use are simple. The untutored wizards of the old world practice strange laws of magic of their own devising, manipulated the winds of magic and crafting spells that suit their purpose. All right, I'm done. I can't. I, I'm no. not going to do the whole. It's it's a lot longer. Um. I'll pay you anyway, one pot so, of non oil. One pot of non oil. Yeah, I don't gloss. Need more sealed. Um, ah, oh, sealed. To reflect this, spellcasting has been liberated and spread throughout the different phases of the game, rather than restricted to just one. Um, anyway, so basically, what this article is saying is that uh, no more magic phase. Yeah. Big change. Big change. So we we briefly spoke before we recorded. About like how it might be a bit like heresy is now. How it's like you can do it in the movement phase, the shooting phase, or like the assault. Like there's different phases you can do different spells in, basically. Yeah, That's yeah. So how I'm kind of interpreting this. Um, it also says situations where a single spell can decide the outcome of a battle are rare. Uh, the focus has been shifted to uh, from keeping track of dice pools or hands of cards onto the positioning of wizards. So um, all that more cool stuff. Wait, so no more winds of magic gone. roll though. No winds of magic. No cards. Oh. Nothing. None of that. And we still roll for it. Just, just for fun. Uh, yeah, we sure can. If that you know, right. makes you happy. 
You gotta make count. Um, so it says uh, the focus has shifted from keeping track of dice pools or hands of yeah. cards onto the positioning of wizards. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I think this is a very very big change, like a whole phase being dropped. Now no more purple sun. I uh, I try to be a positive boy where I can, um, and I. But yeah, I, this to me is interesting. There's no reason why it couldn't work, um, and I've heard. Like, you know, like, yeah, obviously the, the immediate thought is it's like, you know, the, um, like new heresy where there's no distinct psychic phase or whatever, but I got to say, I really enjoy the magic phase in eighth edition. I, there are certain spells like special, you know, like high tier spells like purple sun of Zoraeus, Sean, that <laughs> are a bit traumatic and a bit ridiculous and maybe a bit imbalanced in certain cases, a little bit of a rock, paper, scissors, you know, kill everything dynamic to some of the spells, but that's just the spells and certain laws. That's not the magic phase itself. I, yeah. think, the, I think the eighth edition magic phase is really compelling and enjoyable when you, when you figure it out. And it's actually very, like, it's almost perfect in my mind. Like, I like well, the that's... fact that, you, you know, you do the role, wins of magic, and it doesn't matter how many yeah. majors you have, you're actually limited to this sort of a fairly well, random bell curve of, like, possible results, you know? like What if instead of, like, oh, go on. Oh, okay, I think that's the best thing about the magic phase is that, like, you can play the same. So if you think about, like, playing Heresy or, like, 40K or whatever, you'll play an army and it plays, like, one way, right? The best thing about, like, the magic phase is that it it takes, like, it takes your army, like my beastmen, and gives you so much more replayability just because you have diff- access to different laws of magic. Like, you have... Yeah. It takes like, your gore horde and makes them OP. Is yeah, well, it say. makes it OP in different ways. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, I don't know how you guys feel. Obviously, so I've got like, so the Beastmen have access to wilds, beasts, death and shadows. Um, most of the time I take beasts, but, you know, sometimes I take wilds and try to summon a gorgon. Sometimes I take shadows and try to open the pit of shades. Uh, I never take death um, because it's poo. Um, and poo, I mean, really good. Well, every time you roll think- shadows, you end up blowing up your wizard. I do, but like that's part of the excitement of the game, right? That's it's high that's risk as well. The joy it's of very it. Risky. If you have, yeah, it's high risk versus reward. Yeah, and like most people argue, be like, oh, you can just double shish a spell and it'll go off. Yeah, I can. And then like it, it'll it'll like you do purple sun a few times, and then that one time where it doesn't work out, you'll purple sun your own head off. Um, you know, like Jack did once. Like you had to purple sun yourself. Yeah. I, uh, I think I like that was that was the fun of the magic phase. Like this will impact demon was players so fun the most. in magic. It's a mini game. Oh, demon demon demon. Yeah, well, I have, a, I have that mini yeah, game, is. right? So like that game Jack and I played, where I rolled a double one, and then I instabilityed off the table with my two blobs, and that was game over. Turn, turn one of the game. That's not going to happen I don't think, anymore. I, I don't like that table. I think that's no. That's, yeah, that, that, that kind of thing shouldn't happen. But like, there should still to be like that risk reward that you mentioned. You know. Yeah, I like that. If there's something really important. You can just look. You're like, look, this is turn five. This is my really important unit. I need to, you know, enhance this unit, or they're going to get annihilated anyway. It, this is the end of the battle. This is all. It's all coming down to this. I've got one level two mage left. Yeah, I'm going to throw six dice at this fucking thing because. Yeah. You know, and you can imagine the desperation of everyone on the battlefield, and it's like, no, this is the moment. This is when you know, like, if you cast one more spell in your life and you just annihilate yourself and turn your head into a candle, like. 
this is it. This is the moment. You're trying to save the, the battle, right? And I like yeah, that kind yeah. of push and pull and that little mini game vibe. It kind of reminds me of the psychic like duels between Psychers and the Ravener and Eisenhorn books written by Dan Abnett. It's got that kind of like, now yeah, this is this is no joke. Like playing with magic, you're just gonna your head's gonna explode half the time, um, and that's that's the cost of having these powers. So I don't know. Will they? I don't want to judge the magic system um, ahead of time because the, the, the details are very vague, right? Yeah, I wish they gave us a little bit more here because like it's such yeah, a... I can't imagine what it's going to be like and then there's no reason why it wouldn't be good, but I also can't imagine it's going to be as fun for me as the 8th edition system, but I could be wrong. It could be it could be very good. It could just be like, oh, here's a spell you can do in the shooting phase. It's the way that you cast it. Like, Is it going to just be like... Um, he's a yeah, but you're going to lose that sort of like, sense of desperation that Josh mentioned. Like, yeah, I look, know. I understand that, but it depends. Like, like also, Josh just said, just don't judge it yet. It could yeah. be, it could be a situation where it's like, um, it's probably just going to come down to here is a casting value. Do it on two dice or something like that. Um, as long as there's some sort of like you know risk reward and it's not just like mm. give give unit plus one strength pass a leadership check um which i <laughs> kind of suspect it will be but um mm. and there's a way for your opponent to interact with that as well is a is there some sort of dispelling system that goes on top of that because the the, her- the heresy version that we've got now i don't know it's like a psychic hood that you might buy in that you know one out of ten times you can't deny spells library. anymore which is yeah it kind of takes one player out, but there's other things that sort of make up for that now in Heresy. So, you know. yeah, I mean, it's a different well, game, really. Yeah, I think, look, I think another thing is, um, you know, there's the idea of like our games should have it, you know, should be involving both players at all times to be a compelling game. And obviously, a lot of Games Workshop games have gone to alternating activations, and I think it's a very good system. But also, the magic phase was a, a good little way of, you know, having the uh, player who's not actually currently in an active turn be involved with stuff very actively and that that, that kind of yeah. psychological warfare of the magic phase is something that i underestimated completely but have learned to love um and it's very satisfying when you psych someone out and you know you, you everyone's got their dice pools and limited resources and certain spells you try to bait them out with these little yeah, low spells and, and, and if, it, if you succeed or if, if you play your cards right defensively right you you the person might have no magic phase like you block at everything and then it feels very satisfying to have you know scrape through uh based on your like strategic you know with a holding of dispelling uh when you don't think the person's going to make the spell and they're kind of doing something speculatively or when you psych them out with a dispel scroll like i used to think the dispel scroll was a bit of a crutch that you know wasn't a very fun item but until i had a good talking to by michael and uh, spence um and they explained that that's part of the bluff and fun and mini game and like mind games of the magic phase is oh i won't bother throwing all these dice at it because he's just going to dispel scroll it but then he didn't. So then, oh, what? Like, you know, what, the, the scroll's still there. What's going on? Like, that kind of uncertainty and, you know, keeping you on your toes, that's really enjoyable to me. Um, so I just, I don't know. Like, I have my doubts that it's a system where the magic is spread across different phases could be as compelling. But as I kept coming back to, I, I don't know. Like, okay, we're going to have to wait and see. Yeah. yeah. I want to I wanna have faith. I want to believe... 
Me too. I, I want to believe. believe. Want to believe. Um, All right. Don't be disappointed. Yeah. Well, I mean, just, none of us do, do we? Really? You just you just keep playing. Eighth edition. Got right? a heart, glass half full. That's the best way. We've still got we've still got eighth edition. There's nothing stopping us from playing. So we'll just have edition. new models with eighth edition. Yeah, I think that you know, there's always you know house rules in eighth edition. I think the reality is that you know people. People, the way those people frothing about, like, oh, we're going to stay with Horus Heresy One because we don't like change. Like, who's still playing Horus Heresy One, right? I think, generally speaking, unless it's something totally outrageous and like world breaking and like paradigm shifting, like Age of Sigma, where yeah, obviously Age of Sigma might be totally fine. Um, I'm not familiar with it myself, but it's so different to Eighth Edition or you know any of the fantasy games like previously that yeah, it makes sense to stick with it, but. If it's the newest version of fantasy and you might have some issues with it, unless the issues are catastrophic, I think the reality is everyone is going to be playing the old world. You it's know? got more to. I feel like a lot of those things probably have a lot more to do with your gaming group as well. Um, so if you got like good mates who are playing old world, like maybe it's not great, but if you're all playing it, enjoying it, all your armies look, you know, good on the table, um, uh, then it shouldn't be an issue right yeah true um, true like yeah. if, if how bad could the rules be that you just yeah. oh, you don't want to hang out with your friends because they're playing the old world no it's nonsense if we're playing with shit cunts then yeah you're not going to want to play it right yeah it doesn't matter um, what the rules are the rules could be the best thing ever anyway let's move on from that because uh i've just been informed by our producer we have limited uh limited recording time this evening so i'll oh, um so let's move on to what we've been working on and we've got some um, other little bits and pieces we want to talk about um, and I'll start this conversation off with whom I feel has the least to say, and that is Jack. What are you working on for Old World? What are you? What are your preparations? Um, are you changing anything? Hmm. Next question. Savage. Next question. <laughs> the least to say about it. What? What? You're gonna yeah. bring your vampire counts? I'll probably just use them for now. I mean, I would ideally like to do Tomb Kings, but I want to see what they bring out for them. If they're just gonna re-release those old plastic models again. Might be a little bit upset about that, but if they bring it like new skeleton warriors, that would entice me into it. I think they're going to do something interesting with Tomb Kings and Bretonians. I I yeah. genuinely believe that. I could feel it in me waters. Hmm. They're gonna. Um, they've said they're going to reissue old models, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they're also going to update some stuff. So I don't know. It's it's a are the old. Tomb Kings skelly boys so old and clunky that they have to update them or they're just going to be the like archers, hey, classic yeah they're, they're pretty old but like um, the sepulchral stalkers or whatever they're called oh they're um, cool they're perfect they stand up all the well. stuff that came out towards the end was well, stuff that's fantastic that came out with at the start of 8th edition so like all the yeah plastic, like the big cat the war sphinxes and all that yeah perfect the, um, they're fine the, that can come back what are out what called tomb guard the yeah like tomb the, guard were really good yeah, yeah. All right. It's just some of the older models. If they bring do new ones of those, I'd be more more likely to do a new army. Yeah, but um, other than that, I haven't really been doing anything for old world. You've been doing all fucking heresy stuff, right? Heresy, Titanicus. Which yeah. is very exciting as well. Uh, anyway, um, next, who has the second least to say? Probably Dono. Dono, what are your plans? What do you got? You don't even have a fantasy army at the moment. 
No, no, no. I uh, liquidated fantasy armies in preparation for Old World, uh, but I might have to do a on the cuff sixteen hundred points for November. Are you going to talk about that uh, next? I'll talk about that next. Yeah, so yeah, I might have to do on. that uh, because apparently I'm uh, included in that uh, nonsense. So yeah, I might have to whip something up. So what do you want to do? Uh, I might do Chaos some wolves. Yeah, maybe some cast dwarves because uh, it's like twenty five models and that's it. I'll fight them. Uh, Sounds great. Yeah, we can do that. We can do that again. You can get your revenge. No Nurgle demons this time. Just Chaos Dwarfs. Yeah, that's uh, what could be uh, worse than those Nurgle demons. Yeah, um, not that much. And I guess on that topic, there is uh, the first Border Princes event, I guess, is running in November. Um, I haven't put out the players pack or anything. Uh, I won't go into too much detail since we uh, have got limited time to record. Um, but it is uh, just a classic sort of South of the Reich style event where, um, because I, I think everyone really likes that, where you just rock up with um, just like a range of points. So we've got 1,200, 1,600, 2,000 points. Um, and anyone can rock up with that many and you will find a friend to play. Um, I kept it at 2,000 points maximum just so if anyone does want to play like a third game that day, they could, you know, probably find a, a pal to do that. Um but uh, originally, it was going to be a campaign set in Lustria. Um, I was super excited. I had like a whole um, like sort of narrative that was going to go along with that. But uh, it, it occurred to me that the tables that we have available to us are mostly like forests and urban um, as opposed to any like jungles or stuff. So um, I'm going to have a Lustria yeah, I've table changed. ready to go by November. You will. Oh. Yeah, but I, I understand that you want to, you know, I think it's probably wiser to run a more simple paired back um, and, you know, versatile event setting yeah. rather than a sp- yeah, yeah, specific yeah. Lustria campaign. So I've made it, it's called Border Princes Burning and basically it's, um, everyone's going to turn up, uh, try to take their, their bit of the Border Princes, which is a pretty wide and varied ecology. Um there's like a lot of variation in the border princes. Like you've got like, you know, temperate regions, you've got deserts, you've got stuff, you've got towns and cities and stuff. So you can have whatever you want. Um, I've got, I'm going to have a couple of narrative missions that I've pulled from the old storm of chaos books. Um, otherwise that's the only sort of uh, messing around I'll be doing. Otherwise people can play missions from the, um, the rule book if they would like, or they can, they can do my missions. Uh, I'm not super concerned. Um, the, the the other thing I started working on, I'll st- I'll do a little bit of. I've got to do a ma- uh, a table for this as well. Uh, Tom Gould and and Shaunus, uh, we're providing a lot of them. Um, I think we're capping it at twenty people, um, depending on how many tables we have available. Um, there's uh, there's quite a bit of interest. I probably need to get on um, organizing that. <laughs> It'll be at uh, Glebe. Uh, is it Glebe School, Scholastica or something? Um, I don't remember the the name of the new venue that we're playing at. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, so I'll, I'll have like a little mission pack. I'm going to do my table, which is going to be like a dead cursed wood. Ooh. Ooh. Um, made up of all like the mutant trees from the Warcry boxes. Um, I've got a couple of them now. Um, so we're going to have enough for uh, like a table that'll have like these horrible mutant trees on them. Um, and then I 
convince Phil to come if I painted 1,200 points of dwarves for him. Um, so <laughs> I got a commission. I don't, no, not as a commission. It's my own. It's my own army that I have to paint anyway. Um, but I was like, I'll oh, come and I'll just provide you with an army. And he's like, Yeah, cool, man. Well, um, yeah. So I've I've pulled out um, some crossbowmen and I uh, base colored them yesterday just really quickly. Um, that's well, actually his last experience was playing uh, Skaven with no idea uh, in a Triumph and Treachery game. So five player Triumph and Treachery, by the you way. You can only go up from here. <laughs> well, dwarves should be super simple because there's no ma- there's not like magic or like heaps of magic involved. It's pretty much just like go here, grumble there, shoot over there. You know that kind of thing. It'll just be like playing a game of the old world. It will be no magic. Hey, hey. Um, so that's kind of what I, oh, no. And, um, so recently I, uh, I got on mini war, like a deal with mini war gaming. Um, they would, they were just printing out these hex tiles for free. Um, and like they, they provide that, like the actual hex tiles are free and all you had to pay was like shipping. Um, and I got like 12 of them and, I really want to make like a big, you know, total war style map now. Um, so I've like ordered a printer and I'm probably going to make something. Um, yeah. So I, I, I won't have that ready for November, but uh, hopefully we can do something in the future with that. Um, yeah. And that's it. That's what I've been doing. So what have you been, oh, you've just been doing, but what army are you going to bring? Uh, well, I'm running the event. So I, my basement will be present. Um, but as a as a loner army, uh, what? Um, no, you got to play, man. It's not going to take that much conscious moment to moment. Oh no, probably to run yeah, it, right? Yeah. I'll, I'll play. play. I'll play a game. Yeah, and I mean, technically, Jack is running it too. He's he's uh, organizing the trophies. I will be there. Um, what did we, what did we agree on for trophies? Is it like best army, most gentlemanly? We we agreed on. Was I that think the, so. And then there was the, the wooden spoon. Oh, we're doing an actual wooden spoon as well. Yeah, so whoever loses all of their games. Yeah. Um, not not best general, just wooden spoon. Eligible. Eligible. <laughs> um, so yeah. Yeah, no, I'll I'll play. I'll definitely I'll definitely like my beastman will be there. Um, available if anyone wants to challenge if anyone wants to challenge the gore horde. Um yeah, so hopefully uh, I'm not sure if that's like I, I think we've already got enough people sort of um, interested where I don't have to be like, please come along. If you are in Sydney and you are interested, just message myself or Tom Gould if you're not in the Mournable Events um, chat or on the page. Um, yeah, if I mean, for our Swedish and, uh, you know, Mongolian listeners, by all means, come down. And if you make the effort to come down, we'll make space for you, I suppose. But, you know, obviously, I think yeah. most of the spots will be filled pretty handily by the... Uh, fantasy frothers in sydney yeah um what have we got Ooh, interested there's lots of people interested that i know aren't gonna come um oh ed is interested excellent bring your wood elves um yeah yeah so that should be cool. yeah saint scholastic college in uh four avenue road sydney um that's where we're running it um now uh so that's like a school in glebe it's called South of the Reich presents Border Princess Burning, um, mainly because I'd have a discussion with Dom Santilli about this, about like the use of South of the Reich name. Um, 
I just change it to South of the Rock Presents because I guess um, I guess that's it's like the the Mournival offshoot for fantasy, right? And yeah, it's I familiar. Really that to be honest. Yeah, it's a familiar name. So, um, and the Border Princes way. are south of the Rock River, right? So, uh, yeah, that is correct. That is correct. Um, so yeah, it's all all thematic. So yeah, I'm pretty keen for that. Um, that's what I'm currently working on right now. Outside of bloody commissions um, and stuff, I'm actually uh, talking. I think we're gonna we're gonna do a big uh, Roman Legionary commission. Um, Whoa! In the Christmas holidays, Dono. Oh, yeah. That's right. What is it like? Four hundred Roman legionaries we're doing. Um, is it whatever an actual Roman centurion is? Like oh, Roman right. century, cool. Whatever the um, whatever that actual yeah. makeup is. I think I'm actually taking um, a week off to do that commission. Like I'm I'm not going to go to my real job. I'm going to do this job. Oh, it's a it's a hundred and ninety six infantry, uh, two scorpions, four generals, uh, twenty cavalry. Uh, and some other stuff, yeah. Yep. Wow. I, I think we're pretty booked out for the rest of the year for commissions, but if uh, wow. I'll just plug it since Dono's here. Um, I will, if anyone's interested in that, get in contact with Dono. What are we called? Henchman Painting or something? Uh, yeah, Henchman Painting. Uh, we haven't done any public like media or anything like that. Um, pretty trash uh, advertising, to be honest. But uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, if you're getting work, right? Minimum viable product. Um, That's it. So... So, uh, so hang on, Jeff. You're not doing your Highland Miniatures Dwarf Army now. No, that's that's the I'm I'm painting that 1,200 points for Phil to use. That is my my Highland Miniatures Army. Ah, uh, what? Why aren't you using them, sir? Well, I that's I guess I contrary could contrary to well. expectation. I guess I could, and and uh, Phil can take the Beastman. It doesn't matter. Like whatever. The, we've got like a Lizardman Army here as well that. Um, someone could, you know, lend out like we, between Jack and I and Sean, we've got a bunch of armies now that people. If you can want an extra one, just let up. me know. I'll do one up real quick. Oh, yeah, <laughs> if anyone can do that, <laughs> it's you, you bloody Taipei organized psycho person. But um, yeah, that's uh, that's that's good. Uh, it sounds like people are kind of, you know, we got a lot of time before November. Well, surprisingly, an okay amount of time. Yeah, to creep I, up pretty quick. When I finally caved in and I was like, "Fine, I'll I'll organise this event." Um, people seem to have started like the the fantasy train again. I've noticed like Harry and that have like started painting stuff. Yeah, 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 no, for sure. I think it's nice to have an event to work to. I was already doing this army anyway, um, but um, but yeah, it's kind of it's nice to have that. And the games on the horizon. Yeah. Um, so, well, with that in mind, let's tell us about your stuff. Uh, all right. How much How much time do we have? We have. Oh boy! Oh, dude, you've got you got half an hour, so go go for it. Ah, got all the time. Okay. Rubbing my hands with glee here. So this is a project that's um I've been cooking along in the background for quite a while, and I've just started like getting really stuck into it now. So what it is is um I've always liked the idea of mercenary armies like dogs of war. Um, and in the, the Warhammer fantasy setting, there've been dogs of war armies and army lists in the background and rules, you know, on and off through different you know iterations. Um, and they've always been like a presence there, but not quite at the level of like an official. They've never, had, they've never been a book that they've released as a mainstream release. Not since That's fifth edition. Dogs of War, yeah. Um, sorry, not for a while. I've I, my um, main involvement with fantasy was uh, in sixth edition. So I know they had like a you know they've had PDFs and White Dwarf articles and bits and pieces, 
Um, but I've always been attracted to that, and I, I've always been attracted to like the kind of multi-species kind of you know dwarves and ogres and humans um, fighting uh, for for money, which has been cool, and um, getting caught up in various like giant conflicts of the world. Um, and I find that kind of background quite compelling, um, and particularly. Uh, a particular inspiration was, and this is pretty old school stuff, in the Australian White Dwarf um, around 2004 to 2005, there was a contributing writer, this guy called Brian Cook. I don't know where he is these days, but he um, had, I don't know if you guys recall, a fantastic series of articles showcasing his Kislev army that turned into a Dogs of War army. And so he had uh, like a lot of the old Kislev models, which are excellent beautiful old sculpts and then he actually added ogres and he made um you know fur hats for the ogres because they're so far north um he eventually turned a whole bunch of kislev into pikemen which was a uh you know a unit entry in the dogs of war list i remember um, that specific detail like the um the what are they called the, the infantry with the the bows and axes yeah the, the he, yeah, the Cossars. Him drilling yeah, that's out right. the and, and putting brass rod, like, you know, dozens yeah. and dozens of brass rods through and putting Empire Spearmen spear tips yeah. on them. An insane project and, like, yeah. beautiful, like... Uh, and also, like, uh, that's the kind of vibe of army that I like. Like, his painting was kind of very, very good, but, like, serviceable and kind of simple, you know, techniques with a good overall, like, appealing and cohesive result. Like, he had he was a really cool hobbyist and I always enjoyed following his projects. Um, and so I've always like, you know, I don't know how it would hold up today, um, compared to, you know, top tier airbrushing hobbyists and stuff, but that's always been a, a really amazing army in my view, uh, in, in terms of both the hobby and also the background lore and the thought that's gone into the theme and narrative of the army. Mm, absolutely. So I wanted to do my own version basically using all my favorite models from different fantasy ranges. So what I've done at the moment, and you can follow my progress over at um, at Shattershell on Instagram. Um, basically, I've done a big unit of ogres so far with one of my favorite models ever, the Paymaster Maneater, who has like a chest of gold strapped to him, and it's a little knobler on one, yeah, the most yeah, and a little knobler on his shoulder with an abacus. Um, that Paymaster model as kind of like the leader of that ogre unit, and I'm going to count him as like a bruiser. With a, who's a battle standard bearer. Um, so instead of having a big flappy banner, it's like the guy who's in charge of like the weekly pay and the chest of gold and stuff. That's the, the BSB. So he's my, um, uh, the kind of one of the centerpieces and a big ogre unit because just normal baseline ogres. As far as I understand in 8th edition, like the normal baseline ogres kind of got overlooked in favor of iron guts. Because Iron Guts yeah. were, you know, great weapons, more elite, but they're also a core choice. So yeah, my understanding is the basic, you know, the most common, you know, tournament army you see for, you know, ogres is just heaps of Iron Guts. So I wanted to run the baseline Ogre Bulls, as they used to be called. Um, so I got 12 of them recently painted up with the um, Paymaster in them. Um, and... Also, another thing is that the um, there's a consistent theme in all the old um, Dogs of War books that uh, crossbowmen from Tilia uh, to the south of, of the Empire are a consistent source of like range support for mercenary armies, um, which is kind of like you know um, 
uh, emphasizing that kind of inspiration from the historical background of like uh, different like Italian city states yeah, during yeah, the Renaissance yeah. and stuff, yeah. and late Middle Ages. So, yeah, like so, and I've always really liked crossbowmen as well. So I've got a lot of crossbowmen that I've painted and uh, building more. They look really um, nice, by the way. Your crossbowmen. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, they're, they're difficult models to paint in a way because those Empire Lots State of detail models have so many details. Troops. Yeah, it's fucking irritating. Yeah, yeah, you really have to be strategic about what you ignore and just don't spend time on. So yeah, so I'm basically making an army um, that's going to be mostly just um, human infantry and ogres, and then down the track I might add elves and or dwarves, probably one or the other, or maybe both if I can somehow crowbar Dwar- in that. Dwarves already always look good in like in mercenary in a sort of mercenary. Yeah. Compound. Yeah, that might be determined by what models are available. Like, they might re-release some of the dwarf plastics. You can still get some of them, but it's pretty limited. Some Merc, uh, um, what are they called? What are the uh, the Lothan Sea Guard? I could see them being Mercs. Yeah, that's some some kind of elven thing. Like, I don't know. Like, I guess if I had if I had dwarves in the army, the elves and the dwarves wouldn't get along. So, I could imagine having a unit of like dwarf longbeards, just a single unit. And then have the elves as just like say just include a unit of ten shadow warriors, so they're like the scouts for the army. Oh yeah, yeah like cool. some bows and cloaks. Yep. And yep. they like they don't even like spend time in camp anyway. They just float around, and like the mercenary <laughs> captain has to be like, "Has anyone heard from those goddamn elves? Like, are they going to give us intel in enemy positions, or have they just left? Like, does anyone <laughs> did they listen to us when we speak, or are they just too cool? Like, you know, yeah, I like the idea of like the internal conflict and drama of the personalities in this weird multi-species yeah. mercenary company. Yeah, that's sick. Um, yeah, and so so now here's the thing: is uh, I, you know we've discussed my painting style and how I've approached them. Um, I'm going to be trying to do them pretty simply, but you know, focusing on the cohesion of the main color being that thunderhawk blue, which I like. Um, so all the ogres have their pants being Thunderhawk blue, which is like the only thing they're wearing, really. Um, yeah, they've just got pants on. Yeah. Yeah. And um, most of the Empire models, like most of the cloth will be blue. Um, I imagine that the, you know, when you join this mercenary company, if you're just an out-of-work farmhand or, a, you know, a disgraced um, greatsword who's deserted at a heinous battle or something and ran off into the wilderness, if you join this mercenary company, they're just like, all right, here's a tub and you just dye all your shit blue so we know who you are. Um, and um, yeah, so I'm basically collecting this army and the, the the real question is the rules, right? Because people are saying, oh, did you know that there's a Warhammer Armies project, 8th edition, Dogs of War list? Um, and, oh, actually, the 6th edition Dogs of War list is you could port that over to 8th edition pretty well. Yeah. Now, I'm familiar with all those things and I've looked at all those things, but... There's, they've always seemed a bit awkward to me because not everyone likes the Warhammer Armies project stuff or not everyone has time to investigate it and to be comfortable with it because 8th edition is already a pretty niche game, right? Yeah. An, an unofficial sort of dead, unsupported game. So my approach and what I'm settled on is basically I'm just going to run units from basic 8th edition books in an army together and I'm not going to be a dick about it. So, you know, I've got crossbowmen, they're just empire crossbowmen. I've got ogres, they're just ogres from the ogre book. And the core, you know, choices and the special choices allotments will correspond to the limits in the normal army list. And it'll be pretty straightforward, I think. Um, I think, the, uh, yeah. 
I know you've you've already had your suggestions, and you just did say that you were um, kind of tired of them. Um, they didn't feel right to you, but there is uh, in in Triumph and Treachery there is a mercenary mechanic mm. um, where you you can take. I don't even know how many points it is limit. I can't remember. I think there's a limit, but um, basically, you can just decide. I think you, you yeah, yeah you can just yeah. decide. Um, but basically, it's like you take one hero um, of that army, and then as many points as you want of like whatever else from that book so like yeah i my army might accidentally fit into that structure anyway well you'd want you'd want it to because you'd want some hero who's like part of that detachment or whatever like the old way they used to do in fifth edition where there was like some big captain dude who led a whole regiment of halberdiers or something like you'd probably you're not just going to be like oh i've just got this like chaos dwarf cannon just in the army, it's just there. We paid them gold, but there's no other reason. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. It, I'm, and I'm also, you know, I'm not going to have like, you know, a single lizardman troglodon as the only lizardman unit in a random army that's otherwise just dwarves and, you know, uh, like chaos warriors or something. I'm going to have a cohesive like idea, right? So there's not going to be any like cross, like, um, sort of chaotic allegiance things. There's not going to be any... It's, it's just dwarves and, well, hopefully dwarves in the future, humans and ogres, right? All the kind of like basic sentient races that kind of can... You know, they have their issues with each other, but they can generally get along in the face of broader threats, right? And they're also um, well known in law to be mercenaries, like... Yeah, ogres are quintessential story mercenaries. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so, um, and also I'm not taking particularly harsh units from any of the lists, right? I've got a unit, of, I'm going to have a big unit of great swords because that makes sense to me as like veteran mercenaries with the best gear. They're like the very core of the army, like the general is going to be in that unit. And I imagine that's like, you know, the, the, the leading kind of, uh, you know, core leadership of the, the mercenary company that do all the business and conduct all the contracts and stuff. That's those great swords. Yeah, um, yeah, and that makes so sense. I'm going to have them, and obviously that's a, that's a strong choice. You know, they're they're uh, stubborn guys with great swords, um, but I'm not having any cannons. I'm not having any you know demigriff knights or hellblaster volley guns, or I'm not going to have a big unit of you know fifteen hellblasters with a warrior priest. Yeah, no beast of Nurgle. No beast of Nurgle. No. Yeah, I, you know the, the the law for them is that they're very friendly boys, but I don't think they would work in a mercenary company. Um, like I kind of I, I kind of want a low I want a low fantasy vibe with these guys. I'm kind of inspired. Like, what if I made a whole army that is just based on the very bored, uh, depressed, like you know, town gates guardsmen in like a Witcher game, you know? Like a very working very, class, very, yeah. Very normal people. No, yeah, no, exactly. Like we, we, uh, we change the world, or like we're always the, the, you know, the na- like the um, protagonists of various sagas or whatever. Um, exactly. They're they're, they're just, just they're, they're not the protagonists. People. They're the background guys, the working class boys who you know they just want to pay their mortgage and 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 get through their day. You know. Um, and a bit also, uh, they probably will get caught up into some hectic events, you know. They'll probably be a bit out of their depth fighting against Chaos Warriors and, and Demons and Dark Elves and stuff. So, um, yeah, like hopefully that's uh, that's not obnoxious to people I play against. Like it'd just be some, everything will be kind of pretty much what you see is what you get, right? Ogres are ogres, greatswords are greatswords, crossbowmen are crossbowmen. There'll be very little confusion, I think. 
especially in my 1600 yeah. point list where there's not much room like my 1600 point list is the big unit of ogres big unit of great swords two units of crossbowmen and depending on the variety of like lists i've written up you know a couple of other flavorful units um i want to put some uh free company mercenary you know uh rebels in there uh, that you kindly traded to me jeff the oh, classic dude, that was empire so militia ago. models yeah yeah that, that, great, those, great so those empire yeah, they're cool models, Empire Militia. I imagine those Empire Militia models that as free company, they're not considered a very strong choice in the Empire list. No armor, two hand weapons, you know, strength three, toughness three. But I think to me, they're really good for representing like, look, these are the guys who are like the cooks and the knife grinders and, you know, blacksmiths and stuff. General and, scum um, that hang around. Yeah, that's like the camp followers and the, you know, various like locals and stuff that join in. Uh, at desperate moments when everyone's under attack, you know, or they come in, the, like hang around the side of the battlefield and hope that the ogres and the great swords, the professional troops, do all the actual fighting, and then hopefully they can loot the bodies at the end. Have you, you know? thought about any, um, like, I don't know, hiling hedge wizards or like any? any yeah. Magic? So I have the uh, you know classic empire wizard models, um, like plastic ones. Uh, I haven't built yet, but I'm, I'm, I've always wanted to try the lore of metal. Um, yeah, underrated, underrated lore. Yeah, well, it's just different to what I've run before, and yeah. um, I like the idea that it's sort of like a um, he's like a a working a kind of alchemist, like goes town to town and does various things for people, and he's joined the mercenaries and just he enhances their uh, you know weapons and stuff like that. So I'm just gonna have yeah, like a hedge wizard, this weird alchemy obsessed kind of maybe he's an outcast from the College of Magic or something, and he's gonna be the only wizard in the force, I think. So the, um, I think metal yeah. is like magic also like sort of suits the theme of someone who's like a bit of a grifter, you know, yes, maybe, exactly. maybe like transmutes like, you know, Balthazar Gelt style, like transmutes lead into gold to just trick people. Yeah. Um, yeah. Things like that. General trickster vibes. Yeah. Like maybe the actually the original reason he joined the mercenary company is that he hired them to do something and all the gold he got paid, they paid, uh, got turned into lead and they chased him down and... <laughs> Threatened to, you know, uh, geld him in a different way if he uh, fucking, you know, didn't join them and work for them and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, for all we know, that like, there's all these, I just like these little narrative hooks and the idea that they're kind of, by and large, they're normal, you know, relatable characters in the crazy Warhammer world. Um, and so hopefully that's interesting to people. Like, I'm enjoying this project a lot. It's a nice break from my lizards as well because I was obviously really on my lizard men, uh, you know, well, you got a big there. collection now, right? Yeah, like I've got, I've got uh, most of the things that I want in my Lizardman army, and um, I still will play with them, and I still add stuff to them, especially with the new Seraphon range. A lot of cool models there, mm, but I'm enjoying stuff. playing, like painting different colors, painting some like skin tones that aren't Rakarth flesh, um, painting some metallics, basically. Uh, yeah, and also just you know. I don't know what you guys think about this, uh, the main factions in the old world development diaries, um, but I feel it's nice to have a, you know, an old world focused army, not like something that's in Lustria or whatever, because I th- it does yeah. feel like they're, they're going that direction. They're, you know, they're I- focusing on the old, the empire, the classics, the classic core factions. I feel like uh, that's kind of been uh, like misinterpreted a little bit as like, oh, that like people get sh- like, 
get shitty because they're like, oh, Dark Elves, Dark Elves aren't being supported straight Worst away. Game this is ridiculous. You know, um, so I think it's just like, yeah, it's kind of realistic to be like, okay, so we're just going to do, you know, a small, I say a small selection. It's still most of the factions. It's still most of the main factions. Yeah. Um, some of them are more questionable than others, but like it's like they're taking a little snapshot of time, and they're like, "We're going to do all this stuff first, and then we'll get onto this other stuff later." Like, you know, they might end up doing like a big, I don't know, like a sundering of Ulthuan type of thing, or maybe like Malachus doing raids, and they they do a book that, or like they do, I don't know, like a focus on you know high elves, dark elves, and chaos or something later on down the line, like later on down the line but it makes sense they're like you know they do the same thing with like fucking 40k like they'll be like oh here's our roadmap here's the the first dozen codices that we're releasing Um, yeah i you know i I think it's fair that people are a bit disappointed but people obviously like you know like with everything they take it too far right they did they did they say that this is what we're starting with you know it's not this is the only shit we're going to release right yeah. yeah so um and also uh yeah, I think that's probably they're probably going to wait and see how successful the game is as well before they just like Necromunda, right? Yeah, and Necromunda, like Necromunda was that was re-released. Yeah, I mean Necromunda was a bit of a disaster because they had no idea how popular it was, and then they um, they went through weird staggered releases of all the gangs and stuff. But um, yeah, obviously Necromunda now is is amazing. Like it's very well fleshed out, and there's heaps of resources and rules and very expensive so it might be something like that um now yeah. for me i'm obviously going to have ogre units um because i like the ogre units and i like the ogre models now that's o- ogre kingdoms are one of the other factions they're not part of the narrative we're telling with the old world you know so they're going to have uh, you know pdf rules at the launch of the game and that's fine with me because obviously i'm going to be you know whatever pdf rules they have there there'll be the official rules and i'll just run those units that i have with whatever rules I get. Um, and obviously, you know, I don't know what the rules for allies are or these weird, you know, made up dogs of war armies that I'm, that I'm running. But look, if you don't want to play against my weird little army, feel free to not play it. Like I'm just running these models. I think it's really reasonable. Um, I don't, I'm not doing it for, you know, power gaming benefits. So like with everything, just do what you want with your group of gamers. Right. So yeah. Yeah. Well, that's it. We're all um, friends now just, anyway, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly, right? So I feel like I'm just going to do what I want and people can deal with it. Uh, now, with the base sizes, it's an interesting question. I don't know what you guys, how you guys are approaching it. I know that a lot of you are planning on using those spacing trays that you can get as movement trays. Uh, well, I shouldn't have to change. Well, we'll see what happens with the basement. I shouldn't have to change them too much. Um, maybe the Ungors will have to go on 25, but even then they, they hang out in that sort of that little skirmish tray regardless. So mm-hmm. it doesn't, it doesn't really make a difference. It just depends on what that unit becomes. Um, cause they, Ungors have been a couple of different things in the, in a few past editions. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Um, but I've got 25 mils that I'm putting my, the dwarves on now. Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. So Do they look good. Yeah. Yeah, man, they look great. Like I got these crossbow dudes, and they just sort of sit next together. No one's like, there's no crowding or anything. Yeah. You know, don't have to like sort of put them in the tray and kind of like you know wrestle with them a bit so they can sit properly. Yeah, that's uh, so all. That's that's what I'm doing. Um, and then 
um, everything else from there. I'll just I'm gonna get some new movement trays though for that project. Um, I've got some that were only suitable for twenty mil bases. Um, so that that kind of sucks, but yeah, it is what it is. They're, they're like cheap, a, right? Yeah, yeah, it's not like a big expense. Um, and Jack, you said you were not changing your undead at all, which seems fair no. enough. Yeah, I'm not. I don't want to rebase. You know, hundred and twenty odd chaff models. So yeah, I'll just put them on those space movement trays, and then it might not even matter. Yeah, it might not even matter. Which would be even better. I wouldn't have to make any more movement trays. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I but think like- it'd be interesting to see how it works. And obviously, we're not playing hyper competitive games, right? So even if there's a tiny no. tactical advantage one way or the other, it doesn't matter that much. I mean, Dono might yeah. be. Excuse me. <laughs> I we play fantasy for fun. We well yeah we play fantasy for fun. Do do we play fantasy? Okay, I got the we I got do. the I got the questing night award one time. Okay, I got the most VP one time. <laughs> That's a totally fine way to play if you want to do that. You weirdo oh, wanting to win. Oh, wow. what a pervert! <laughs> How else uh, do I so, play my Dono, if you um, do your Chaos Dwarf project, are you going to put them on 25 mil bases? You know, are you going to get them old world ready? Uh, yeah, probably. I don't know. Actually, I, haven't, I didn't even think about that. Uh, I don't think Chaos Dwarves are gonna, even going to be supported in the old world, so... Oh, yeah. That's another quite... Yeah, <laughs> Chaos Dwarves themselves question, probably want right? to be supported. No, well, hang on. I'll probably so bring out says, some new plastic no, no. ones based on the new Total War. Well, hang on. Then, say, so Chaos Dwarves are not in the... Warhammer the Old World core factions listed on that article from 23rd of May. Um, but it says, what about the other factions? Certain factions people remember from Warhammer Fantasy Battles are not part of the narrative we're telling, but will be provided with rules at launch of the game. And bang, Chaos Dwarves are in that list. Oh, so well, they fun. are supported. Fun. They'll get a PDF or something like that. Um, and so you will be able to play with them immediately uh, with rules adapted for the Old World. So. Wow. Well, can't ask more than that. Gotta go find some cars to watch, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, they're floating around. They're cool models, a lot of them. Um, yeah, uh, it was a cool range. Obviously, a bit limited, right? Not a full. Like, doesn't have as much of a unit selection as a lot of other factions. No. No, they're a bit hard they're to not, have an army for. Yeah, they're not really just. Well, as everyone said, they're in a supplement. They're not really in a army book, uh, per se. So, they're already off to that good start. But, I mean, perfect for a little 1,600-point yeah, uh, sure. project to do quickly before this November event. A little quick, cheeky project. I don't know. I could just buy a bunch of Plague Marines, uh, Plague Bearers again. And... <sighs> That's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, just, buy, just, just, just don't buy even get Plague Bearers. Just Beasts of Nurgle. Just all Beasts of Nurgle. <laughs> all Beasts. <laughs> all Toads. Um, all, all, all Toads of Nurgle. Oh, well, they're for... obnoxious. Please don't do that. <laughs> Plague, was it Plague Toads from the Tamakan book or whatever? Yeah, I will purple sun you on purpose. Yep. I'll bring two well, little um, falls of death. Well, <laughs> base-wise for my project, I have, because I have you know only just started this project recently, I feel like I have the luxury to just look, I, you know, I'm, I'm just going to go with the new base sizes. And fortunately, I don't have any cavalry yet. I don't have any um, of the large infantry models yet. I'm not, I'm not building Chaos Warriors or anything. So... All we know is that 20 mil bases are going to 25s and that's, yes. Yes. that's my infantry. So I'm just doing that. And so I don't know why, if you, if you were collecting a, an army now, if you're starting now, I see the appeal of going with a base spacer trays and stuff, but 
I, I feel like the best choice would just simply to be accept the change and go to 25 mil bases. Um, and that's what I've done. And I enjoy that I don't have to think about the ranking up and the models bumping into each other and crowding. Um, I like that. And I think that the evidence suggests from my Instagram feedback that people don't notice they're on bigger bases. They look natural on those bases. I don't think anyone um, has an issue with like the 20 to 25s. Uh, I think it's more of an issue of just having a definite answer for the rest, like for Cav and like, you know, monsters yeah. and stuff where, where that goes. I speculate that they don't want to release a definitive list, which would be very convenient because they don't probably make those base sizes and aren't selling them no. yet. So yeah. it, it would enable that everyone to go out and buy them from third party sources and they'll probably miss out on sales that they could that have is, otherwise got. That is correct. That is absolutely That's correct. probably, you know, and there's nothing wrong with making a dollar, but the, it, yeah, it does mean that we don't get the convenient, simple list laid out mm-hmm. that says, okay, this base is this, this model's this. Chaos Warriors are going to 30 mil bases now. You know, there's not that definitive list. So I've put my guys on 25 mil bases and I think they look great and other people seem to think they look great even just tacitly admitting because they don't notice that I've done it. It might not be the same if you collect night goblins and those little hooded boys are looking very spaced out on their 25 mils. I'm not yeah, sure. they'll look like shit. <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, and that's not relevant to me at the moment, luckily. Now, ogres, um, obviously monstrous infantry, the standard was always 40 mil bases. Now, I've put my ogres on 40 mil bases um, because to me, they seem very well spaced and proportioned on those 40 mil bases. I can't imagine going to 50 mil would look much better or would probably look worse to me. Like they already seems quite spaced out. So I'm betting and hoping that ogres do not change. What do you guys reckon? I'm kind of hoping just for my minotaur sake, just because I haven't used GW models um, that they go to fifties because they mm. will rank better, but that's because of the models I've used. Not necessarily like those are zealot miniatures. They're not GW like minotaurs, like those minotaurs look fine on forty mil bases. I um, um yeah, maybe. Yeah. It but I don't think it, I don't probably won't change. I don't think it'll change personally. Um, um yeah, yeah. I, I I don't know. Maybe You're, like I reckon a fifty mil base. What's on a fifty mil base? Do you reckon they'll go up to a fifty mil? They uh, might. They might. It might. It might. There are some things that are on 50s, so like Vargul, yeah. um, Razorgore. There are monsters, but not necessarily. Like if they're it, like a monstrous infantry, they don't. I mean, they uh, are, they're uh, 40s. Putrid, Technically, Putrid Black Kings are on 50, 40s. 40s, but they're not even monstrous infantry. They're, they're just infantry. infantry. Yeah, they're yeah. a weird unit. That's they're a weird, they're a weird unit. Um, not, not good whack either. They're, they're trash whack. <laughs> no, they're yeah, trash. They're, they're, they're a weird unit. Um they're almost ogre-sized, but they're not monstrous infantry. Um, they don't get smash attacks or what is it, stomps or anything. They can't um, make supporting attacks. Yeah, it's bizarre. So um, I suspect maybe, like, say, you know, Croxagors, things like that, they're monstrous <laughs> infantry. Maybe some of those special monstrous infantry will go to 50s and ogres will stay on 40s. Mm. Um, but that might be weird because, you know, three-wound, like, monstrous infantry models, they probably would give them all the same bases. You know, so it might be that ogres go to fifties, and you know that's cool as well. Like I think that makes sense in the sense that it's you know a, a fifty, uh, you know, twenty five mil bases can tessellate perfectly in lineup with fifty mil bases. So they might that might be part of the appeal. 
Um, yeah, are yeah. there any images of models that are that size in those um, those recent yeah, there's some, development there's some things? There's some trolls there if anyone wants to get their micrometer out. Ooh, trolls. What are the trolls on? They should be on 40s, but I don't know. Like, obviously that, you know, maybe maybe they're on 50s. I don't know. Ooh, can, can anyone see? I want to scoop it out. <laughs> uh, I mean, it just looks bigger than everyone else, right? Come on, you guys are pro commission painters. You gotta scope it out. Scope it out. That's a big standard. Uh, it is. Um, it is. As, they do look as wide as the um, steam tank base there, and the demigriffs. They might be on fifties. The demigriffs are on fifties by seventy-five. Yeah, the demigriffs were always on fifty by seventy-fives. Yeah, yeah. Um, and more so the cavalry. I think are on the same. Same as uh, um, yeah. drones, uh, plague drones. Yeah, so that might be 50 across. So, oh, I don't know. Do you reckon that maybe they've increased in the trolls? Because the trolls do look a bit uh, different. But they might be just on 40s, actually, still. They're the same model. If, if Yeah, the same model. Wondering. If you look at the picture of the trolls, the back of the trolls, uh, you can see the orc boys nearby. And the base doesn't look like two orc boys, does it? So the orc boys might be on a thirty, and the trolls might be on a forty still. Maybe. I don't uh, know, this those, is those, wild uh, speculation. This is wild speculation. The, the the artillery goblins in the back are definitely on twenty fives. That's um, true. That's true. That's that's a that's a definite. Anyway, we got to wrap this up. Um, okay. Anyway, <laughs> just because we're running out of time, sorry, sorry to cut everyone off. No, no, but, all, um, all good. At Shadow Shell, follow me. Check out my my fucking plastic voice. Let's do it. Plug, plug yourself. I was about to do that for you. Oh, okay. uh, ladies and gentlemen, What's thank Dono? you. Yeah. Dono, uh, Cthonian Ganger on uh, Instagram. Go check out his uh, wild uh, uh, hobby output. It's almost, it's, it's probably, it's, it's getting up to bloody Sean levels, mate. Um, so, and thank thank you, Josh, for, uh, for coming on the show and speaking to us about uh, your various uh, hobby projects and, um, and wants. Um, Dono, go fuck yourself. Uh, yep, we'll do. Thank you for uh, inviting yourself <laughs> to the podcast tonight, Jack. Thank you for being here. Thank you for thank you for being our producer for this evening. That's all right. I know and you what's your Instagram? Uh, JT Merger Painting. That's it. Not updated often yeah. enough, unfortunately, given how awesome your shit looks. Thanks, man. Yeah, just not enough time at the moment. Hmm. Um, join Beautiful us. Join us in November at uh, South of the Right presents the Border Princes Burning. Um, it's going to be a fun day of all of us just uh, throwing toy soldiers around. Um, you can find us on Facebook at Border, in the Border Princes Podcast group. I'll try to. Then we might try to do something a little. Um, might try and shout out. Um, you know everyone's work on there monthly now, or at least whenever we record. Um, I did notice like a bunch of people put up a, a heap of terrain, which looked really good, um, and I, I think it's like super underrated. Like Jeff Andrews is uh, putting out heaps of hobby content. A bunch yeah, of he 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 always does. Uh, he's a good boy. Um, so Jeff Andrews. Uh, oh yeah, so much stuff. He's doing all his undead stuff. Um, actually, the only other person who's putting out their stuff is me. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, I'll try to, I'll try to engage with that at least through here, um, a little more, 
And then you can find us on Instagram, of course, Board Princess Podcast. Not really much going on there at the moment, but I'll try to increase that. Um, we got T-shirts and uh, shoes uh, at Teespring. Um, that's for Dono because he wanted me to make fucking Crocs today. You fucking you know. Um, Border Princess Crocs. Um, and that's it. Oh, find us on find us on Spotify. Find us on uh, Podbean. Wherever you listen to podcasts, it's probably there. And find us on the I've Horus Podcast Network. We're part of the I've Horus Podcast Network. Um, yeah, and with that, uh, let's go base for life. All right, good night. Base.